You're listening to Talks Machina on the Critical Role Podcast Network. Talks Machina airs on Critical Role's Twitch channel every other Tuesday at 7 p.m. Pacific. Episodes are available on Critical Role's YouTube channel the following Thursday and right here on the Critical Role Podcast Network one week later. If you enjoy this episode, please consider supporting by rating and reviewing this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Without further ado, let's dive in to this episode of Talks Machina. Titty Smacks. Oh, that was my favorite cereal as a kid, actually. Yeah. Part of this balanced breakfast. I know, but I, as with everything, once they start getting soggy, it loses a lot of the appeal. So it's something you want to eat while they're still crunchy, if you know what I mean. Anyways, (laughs) we'll all, we could go on about Titty Smacks all night, but uh, rather, (laughs) it doesn't even matter. We don't even know. I mean, are we on the internet? No, no, we're not on the internet. This is not the first show of 2021. (laughs) Yes, it is. It's the first show of 2021. Can you believe it? Holy cow, we survived. We survived the nightmare that was 2020. Danny, I know that, um, you know, these times are tough and we're all staying at home. How did you end up celebrating New Year's Eve? I ended up celebrating New Year's Eve probably by playing Dragon Age. Oh, <laughs> yep, that was it. I <laughs> definitely totally that was forgot. It. I know. I totally <laughs> forgot that they dropped Dragon Age 4 on Christmas Eve. That was so yes, crazy. Yes, it was amazing. It ended up being the most wonderful surprise. Truly. Matt, Marisha, did you guys get into it at all over the break since the surprise drop? Uh, no, I was too busy trying to eventually make my way through the cyberpunk character creator. So, oh, um, yeah, three, three yes. weeks heard... in, hoping to get some story at some point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and I, I, uh, my main goal was to make it out of Seattle in The Last of Us 2. Oh, and I did that. You did that. Hey. I remember you texting and saying, I've, I, I'm no longer in the uh, rainy city. I remember yep. getting a text about that. Yeah. I I said those words. Yep. Great New yep. Year's for all of us. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. Ash and I took the dogs and we took the boat out to Joshua Tree. Spent <laughs> yeah. a couple of de- spent a couple of days out there just kind of like, you know, laying out, working on our tans out in the uh the desert. And then eventually um once the state park police showed up and told us that uh, we weren't allowed to be letting off fireworks inside some of the caves. We packed everything up and, uh, you know, we went ahead and headed back up here. So, but it was a chill. The thing is, is the fireworks. pretty light for you. It was actually, well, you know, we're in quarantine. So we were, we stayed inside the cave. We were six feet from the next cave in case there were some other campers in there. And we didn't let the fireworks off you know, out into the middle of the, we didn't work going to catch any of the dirt on fire. You know, we were being very safe about it. You were like a, you were mm. like a Sims character where you would light the fireworks inside of the house. People Did often you happen- tell me that I have the emotional structure of a Sims character. So that is fair. That is very good. fair. That checks out. We're going to say Marisha. Did you happen to catch the flame, the uh, famed glow worms of the Joshua tree caverns? We weren't able to catch any. We brought a lot of mason jars, but we forgot the lids. I see. Hmm. So we would get them, but then a murder hornet 
would fly into the jar, grab the worm, and then take it off to the colony. You know, they live in uh, they live in in murder hornet colonies. I watched the special right, about right, it right. The, yeah. the, the yeah. BBC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear Gary Busey lives in those caves. <laughs> I, you know, when we were trying to sleep the first night, I heard an echoing sound in the <laughs> distance that was like, "Hey there, fella, you got any matches? <laughs> I'm running on matches over here." <laughs> um, sleep well, butthorn, 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 butthorn. Yeah. Um. Anyway, how eventful. That's how, well, welcome to 2021 is what we're saying, Critters. We hope you also had a very safe break and holiday time, however you celebrated, whatever you celebrated. We're just glad to be back. We're glad to be back with you. And tonight, we are glad to discuss the Mighty Nine, exploring ancient ruins, much like how I spent my New Year's. (laughs) Ally with the Tomb Takers and Cross River of Love. Or was it lava. lava? It was lava. It was lava. Yeah. All that and more tonight on Tox Lavaca. Hey. That probably means that probably means something in like Swedish that's really bad. <laughs> Hit it, Max. Waffle farts. I have nothing for that one. That was really good. Yay. <laughs> wow. Suffer as I could, suffer, Brian. You okay, Matt? I totally understand a lot more now, but you could smell that joke. You could the first thing that hit me was just so it was like it came through the screen. Yeah. It it it's it, it was like <laughs> Have you ever used that one on Matt? Have you ever used that one on Matt at the show? No, that's a new one. That's a new one. But but it's visceral. It it, it gives me like flash memories of like Sunday morning trips to the bowling alley when you're a kid. (laughs) That's 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 what a waffle smart waffles part smells like. There. Well, yeah, that's disgusting. Um, The folks at home may not be able to tell, uh, but (sighs) Matt Marisha, Matt is not at the tropical island resort that it looks like he's at right now Mm. they're actually in the same house and ash and i get a lot of questions since we've been filming talks and and different shows at home about why we shoot in different rooms despite Mm. being in the same house and i thought maybe since we have the creative director of critical role on the show that we could ask danny why do we do that Oh, I'm the creative director. That's yeah, a lot cool. has happened since since we were that's, since the last that's episode. That's very of fair. It's been yeah. a while. She was lore keeper for about six months and then yeah. went to a creative director. Marisha, she's a climber. Marisha, what did you say? Immediately. Yeah. Marisha is now head of streaming for the internet. It was one of the, that was oh, actually yes. crazy. Vice President uh, Kamala Harris called her and said, do you want to become president of streaming? It's a new thing, you know? Um, and, yeah. and Marisha said, Marisha was like, I'm leaving you fuckers in the dust, but I'll do talks one last time. Yeah, I'm clearly <laughs> the best candidate and most knowledgeable <laughs> when it comes to queen of streaming in particular yeah. for the internet. Uh, yep, that's me. 
No, but the reason why we film separate <laughs> cameras is because it's better for the video, it's better for the audio, and it's better, yeah. And we sometimes... have specific overlays made. Yeah, we, wanna, everyone like... wants their own window. Yeah, it just looks better, better, better audio quality in these weird times. What yeah. we're not telling folks is that my screen requires so much effects and airbrushing and co oh. correction to like a lot of yeah. my spray tans and yeah. some of the different stuff so that- There's a blackout in Burbank every time we export Tox Machina. That's true, and, that's uh, true. <laughs> yeah, I actually have four or five backup cameras above this one yeah. in case. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Couple of generators <laughs> under the desk. I made it though. Go. We've we've gotten a lot of work for like all the Hollywood render farms that aren't working now thanks to the lockdown. So yes, mm -hmm. happy to help out the industry. This is the only show on Twitch that records in After Effects. <laughs> 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 well, after the last episode, folks, we do not have a sponsor tonight, so we're gonna jump straight in to the questions, starting with our wonderful dungeon master. Also, Danny, a lot has changed, like I said. It's crazy. Um, but thanks for being here, Matt. No, Matt. No worries. Yes, after bye. all this time, and we I can't believe you have not been on the show yet to talk about this, but after all this time, you finally introduced the Tomb Takers to the Mighty Nine. What was it like getting to reveal these characters that were hinted at at the early stages of the campaign? Do you have any favorites among their ranks as well? Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm glad we finally got to it. Uh, based on on the, the narrative, uh, you know, established them a long time ago, but it was all very loose and distant, and it was kind of fun to pull them back in. I mean, I it's hard to not say the Lucian's my favorite because he's the one that I get to play the most with, and he's the one that's the most immediately connected to and threatening to the group. Um, but they've all got some fun quirks to them. I'm excited to explore those in in coming interactions as we progress. But uh. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 one of those rare experiences as a dungeon master where you get to watch your players combat with the the necessity of playing along. Mm. Like just the you know the, the instinct is like fuck these guys, I want to fight them or let's take their shit, you know, cuz that's what a lot of D&D games can be. There's that delightful aspect of or I guess we have to play nice. And they begrudgingly yeah. grit their teeth and I smile internally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good that's a good summation of D D for sure. Um did you when you were it was definitely leading up to him coming back, it was for sure he was gonna be showing up. Did you go back and watch the early episodes and try to sort of nail Talison's accent and then realize that it's just sort of there wasn't much sort of to it and and you almost were going to start <laughs> offending different types of people had you uh -huh. tried to mimic you it so you just all, decided you're all so mean to Talison. <laughs> oh man uh no i went back and, and watched a little bit and was less trying to do like an Irish accent. I'm more trying to do a, a Molly accent, mm, nice. uh, yeah, and, yeah. and and then just kind of do my own spin on it because you know I knew as after I got two or three sentences into speaking in character, it would just become its own weird mutation yes. of whatever it was going to be. So as they all do, yeah, with the yeah. PCs and stuff, yeah. 
but oh man that's amazing yeah like with uh farnham i didn't know he was going to be kermit the frog i thought he sounded like farnham but then when you watch it back you're like that's a goddamn great kermit the frog impression I'm yeah it is <laughs> i'm calling henson factory or whatever the fuck um marisha hey. nice to have you back on the show thanks i know you've been i know you were really busy marisha completed listen to this 30 it says 33 puzzles between when the last talks aired which would have been sometime around like tuesday december 15th and then we went on break 33 puzzles until this episode i think that's a crazy record and i just wanted to give you a special shout out for that i think tonight you should tweet maybe a picture of as many of them as you can on your coffee table you know what i mean um, like if they're I still would yeah they were all together. digital though Oof. Oh, on and man. done and, and also they expire you... after like the absolutely uh, yeah absolutely you also failed to mention that i completed them all in about 45 minutes so right but then we'd have to talk about that missing adderall truck in your neighborhood and some mm -hmm. of that's we'd have to maybe tie some of that stuff together i'd yeah. be a little worried about the threads that some of our very smart critters would instead let's talk about this how is Bo? <laughs> How is Bo feeling? You know, anyone who thinks like the show's going to get better next year, I see a lot of those threads, you know. How's Bo feeling <laughs> knowing many, many, many of her theories about the Tomb Takers, Vess, and the the Living City turned out to be correct? Oh, I mean. That'd be a great feeling. <laughs> Jimmy, what? <laughs> She straight no. up Mickey Mouse Club posed for that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, um, I mean, it's definitely vindicating. I'm not going to mm. lie and rewarding, but also know that, you know, I write a lot of shit down in that notebook that's never relevant ever again. But you so, never know. But that's why you write you it all know. down is because you never know. And with Matt, you really never know as a DM. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, no, it, it feels it. it's definitely a good feeling to know that I didn't go on that 15 minute deep dive and was utterly wrong about everything that I said. <laughs> that would have been amazing. It would have been pretty great. So... But I was pretty, I don't know, I was pretty, I was pretty confident, at least in a good majority of it. And just kind mm -hmm. of knowing what I knew and also just kind of recognizing what I didn't fully have all the answers to yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I hope That's also that a smart okay. way to live. That's also a smart way to live. That's also good advice <laughs> yeah, sure. for how to live, to be honest. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, you I was like... I was super proud. Like I I don't know if it shows up at all in any of those scenes, but I'm sitting like half it of my does. concentration is on trying not to show my hand, like the poker face is in a like super intense concentration mode because in the my, inside of my head I'm just like, oh shit, she's putting together a lot of these pieces. They've been paying attention. Nothing's worse for any sort of game master than to to want to build mysterious aspects of your narrative and to seed things over a long period of time and then when it comes close to the big reveals have all your players go i don't i don't i don't know i don't, Ugh, I don't yeah. this doesn't make any sense and you're like well then why am i even doing this so uh, <laughs> yeah, so whenever yeah. a, a player or your players start picking up on these threads and start unraveling the hints you've been dropping uh that's a huge 
it's a huge boon and it, and it feels really good from my standpoint. So I was just like silently cheering you on as you went on these long tangents, <laughs> just going like, oh shit, yeah, keep pulling, keep pulling at the thread. I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but when I watch, oh, when I used to watch back in the olden times, CR on Thursday nights with a few friends of mine at home who also yeah. watch the show, Dom, Mila, a few other people. Mm-hmm. One night I said, who do you think is the note taker of everyone on the show? And my friends that were over, nope, pretty much everybody on the show too, in, in real life. Mm-hmm. And know you guys' personalities in real life. And almost everybody guessed Marisha, which I thought was so funny because I never would have guessed that Marisha was. I would have thought like Travis because he's so organized and like whatever. Mm, yeah. But no, most of the time he's he's playing tic-tac-toe with himself and just he's not, you know. He's destroying notepad. squeeze balls under the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, tapping yeah. his foot down into the center of the earth <laughs> throughout the combat, <laughs> the combat things. Um, but no, it is crazy. I have walked past and seen the thousands of pages of, uh, of stuff that you write down. But it is cool because I also love as, as I DM stuff too is watching someone when you're really dropping something that you hope at least one person in the group noticed, because then they might bring it up later and you see someone just kind of jot that down. You're like, and then when they bring it up later, it's even a, a greater feeling like, like you were saying, Matt, but you know, we, we could only hope to have players like Marisha, you know, but it's well, we, it players like Sam. <laughs> in, in full admittance, a lot of it too, because there, I, I do think there is such a thing, especially if you have disorganized notes, there can be a thing as almost like too many notes because then key information can get lost in, you know, too much fluff being written about it or, or anything like that. Um, so hmm. I've kind of gotten good at trying to find that balance, I think. But also a lot of times if you see me jotting stuff down very quickly um, a lot of it also just has to do with the type of learner that I am. If I'm someone where if I write it down, if I, you know, see myself putting those words on paper, I'm a little bit more of a, of a visual learner in that way. And mm. so that kind of helps me keep track of everything as well as, as Matt is really even just describing the scenes sometimes because, I mean... Let's be real. Sometimes there's a lot of information flying at you very fast. Yes. So in order yeah. not to get totally lost, um, no, I mean, it's some like of a, my it's notes, like a, yeah. Some of my notes even include like when we were doing um, a couple episodes and we were doing the Gorm fight and we were trying to get there and we were going down these winding hallways and you're kind of saying like this is what you see on the right, this is what you see on the left, and ahead of you is this tunnel and starts to curve to the left, but then it also branches off to the right or all these different ways, I'll quickly start just doing like a rough sketch of a map on the page as well. And and a lot of that is just to try and, you know, for the type of learner that I am, that just kind of helps in the way that I'm able to digest things. I think like talking about Travis to his full credit, I think he's very good at auditory learning. Like if he's listening, he's got it. He tends to be pretty good at that. Yes. Um, I will test him sometimes. Like, it. well, if I used to be at the office and he would be on his computer and super sucked in, I would tell him like five things in a row just to see, you know, and one of them would be untrue, you know, just to see if he's paying attention. 
I'd be like, yeah, I went to the post office and the line was super long, but like it was cool because there was this kid and he kind of had, you know, some cool sneakers on. So, you know, I took them from him and then, uh, you know, I told his dad, you know, good taste in, in sneakers, you know, or whatever. And then Travis was like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. And then the dad knocked you out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm listening. I'm listening, motherfucker. I'm listening. I can do 10 things at once. Try me, you know? So then I'll lie to him while he's typing and I'll start throwing stuff and he catches all of it. It's really annoying, but he's mm. so, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he can, he's scary that way. He can, he, everything that goes in there stays in there. It's like, I don't like, I like people it. like that. I like people that forget everything you yeah. say to them. You're, you're less Travis's friend and more like his floating Jedi training ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That checks out. <laughs> yep, that's perfect. Um, Matt, speaking of balls, yes. Um, what does Lucian think of the Mighty Nine, who seem to be strangers to him? Okay, we know he's not a fan of Bo. Uh, are there any other individuals he's particularly intrigued by? <sighs> he, without, without revealing too much um lucian he's definitely curious about why they're getting involved in his shit what vested interests they have in this and what they're planning alongside him and he's been watching them from a distance i think one he hates bo because he doesn't like people that challenge his authority never has that's <laughs> yeah. been a life a lifelong facet of his personality she won't stop um, anytime soon <laughs> uh, i know i know and uh, it's it's going to end very well yeah. <laughs> um, I think he he gravitates towards Jester to an extent because she's the most open, which also, from his standpoint, also probably makes it the easiest to manipulate, if that makes any sense. Mm. Um, at the very least, to the point where he doesn't feel like he'll be challenged as often, you know? Except going on the other side of the spectrum from Beauregard, he'll say something and Beauregard will be like, but, but you're wrong. Jester mm. will be like, Okay, and just accept it. And so to him, it's it's an easier, more malleable relationship to continue on this this journey with. Um, I think he loves toying with curiosity. Um, and so between Jester and Caleb, who is also easily drawn by curiosity, um, those are the two people that he seems to feel it. At this moment, with the brief interactions they've had, he's probably the most comfortable interacting with. Caduceus makes him feel a little weird. Can't quite pinpoint him. Uh, First I'm hearing of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, he's... Like I said, trying try to be very vague in these instances. Um, he's, he's, de yeah. he's definitely amused by them. He is amused by them. He is curious about what what their... You know, small scale and and macro scale interests in their doings are, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll leave it there. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about some of the curiosity driven characters, because our curiosity driven characters in this cast couldn't their their um their impulse toward curiosity couldn't come from different places, right, mm -hmm. Caleb? Like it's so. It's so interesting, like, what drives us can often manifest itself in sort of one of the same things, except it's, 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 it's driving us for a different reason. And I love that in both campaigns, 
you have examples of where, without really spoiling anything from campaign one, for those of you that haven't seen it, except for that they all die the second to last episode. Um, oh my God. The final episode <laughs> is just me reading off their names for three or four hours, uh, even though there is only seven of them. Um, you know what I'm saying, Matt. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's 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 fun. And like and, and to an extent the difference between player and, and character as well. You know, Travis is my usual go to carrot on a stick, shiny red button, push the thing you're not supposed to. And he can't he can't fight that impulse, but or normally can't, when there aren't major stakes necessarily that are vitally there. But mm. I don't know, I'd say Ford to Lucian is definitely one of the more guarded and less less accessible at the moment. Part yeah. of this whole part of this whole like agreeing to journey with them was both based on the interactions they made, the the persuasive arguments they made, and kind of the idea of well, yeah, I mean, I through his experience, there are individuals that there's not much of a use to them beyond them being a barrier that should be destroyed or pushed aside. But there's there's possible utility to this union at the moment, and we'll see how long that that effectiveness lasts <laughs> possible utility to this union is that what he said Danny it is indeed I also heard it <laughs> scribble, scribble. I'm, I'm sorry <clears throat> this is for my wedding vows I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> there is some possible utility to this union do you think she'll she's not gonna watch That's, this do you do you think she's gonna find that romantic that I, is I, what when, every woman wants to hear <laughs> Matt, I scratched. I scratched out. God, don't play cards because that was in my vows. But replacing <laughs> yeah, yeah. it, hey, a, as, as long as long as you credit me at the end of them, that's all that matters. <laughs> in the in this ceremony, I'm gonna play your voiceover. There you go. <laughs> and and for the rest, babe, I'm gonna turn it over to a friend of ours. Here we go. Take yeah. out my tape recorder. I can just just me ADRing your entire uh, part of the ceremony. I can't afford that. <laughs> You're just lipsing. I can't afford that shit. Are you joking? No, oh, man. <laughs> I don't have Sam's money. Um, Marisha, let's ask yes. about since we talked about Lucian's. Uh, how am I? Is it Lucian, Matt? Lucian. Lucian. Because <laughs> I like it. Lucian, like L O O S H O N. Lucian. Yeah. You know, I Sound had a cousin like, that spelled it that way. It's like when you're getting buying lotion in Montana. They had to go pick up some Lucian. Pick up. <laughs> that's not how it works. That's not how no, it works. No, that sounds, sounds like Canada. And yeah, yeah like, everyone in Montana is just like. Everyone's like, in Montana is like, what the fuck do you think Montana is? Quebec? Jesus. I, I don't know. That was a, that was a random poll. My apologies. Yeah. My I don't worry, Matt. I'm not. I'm not good at accents either. Sorry, Marcia. Montana. <laughs> Hashtag sorry, Montana. <laughs> Hashtag Montana's the new Quebec. Yeah. <laughs> People are going to be really so confused and not wanting to click on that one. <laughs> uh, Brisher, what are Bo's thoughts on uh, Lucian? Uh, Lucian and the Tomb Takers. Is she enjoying picking at him and getting under his skin a little bit? In a way, Bo's kind of, uh, Bo's picking and poking, it still kind of stems from her defensiveness and guardedness and hurt feelings in a lot of way and the way that she's coping with things. It's, you know, 
it's just kind of a, a few steps removed from yeah, just her default and kind of where, what she often resorts to when she starts kind of throwing up those barriers because she still kind of has in the back of her head that she's looking at her dead friend, that she's still more or less in the morning, like in the middle of the morning process of, um, and trying to kind of have that compartmentalization. It's like every time you talk to him, you have to do this weird emotional math. And Bo reacts... Like, like a frame with the amnesia, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Bo kind of reacts in those ways by throwing up walls and being defensive, and that's her way of protecting herself. If she can be like, fuck you, I don't care about you, to this person, and the more that she like says that, the more she's kind of convincing herself, even if it's just by 5%, because she knows it's not true. Is it working, um, or is she still feeling those feelings even though she's trying to tough exterior it? Or is she internally, is it working, or is it, or are those feelings getting through? I mean, they're still getting through, but Bo will always try to hide them until they bottle up and rupture in some sort of very bad way. But mm -hmm. I think right now, Bo, I mean, this isn't too dissimilar to the way she reacted when Yasha was mind controlled and left with Oban and her and Ford were both kind of in the same boat of this is not our friend. She was, we don't know if she was ever our friend. We got to forget about her because that's an easier way for Bo. That's the way Bo protects herself and protects herself from that hurt of it. And I think um, kind of in these moments, especially she knows that Jester is having a hard time. She knows that Yasha is having a hard time. And of course Bo is having a hard time. But I think she's willing to pad that and try to be strong by saying things like, I hate Lucian. I hate him. Mm -hmm. And poking at him and being like, you, you're the worst parts of Molly. Um, and it's not that she doesn't believe those things, because she kind of does it very much in a way. Um, but it is no doubt just her deep-rooted defense mechanism. She's one yeah. of those people, and even though she has matured and gotten much better at allowing herself to be vulnerable, especially around the Mighty Nine and her friends and people she loves and cares about, she's still going to resort to that, uh, to, you know, to outsiders, for sure. Yeah. And Lucian is like an outsider cubed. Like yeah. he's <laughs> yeah. he's this weird dimension of outsider. So yeah. yeah, it's it's mental and emotional gymnastics the entire time and with everything you do and say to him. Mm -hmm. So it's it's wild. Oh, Matt's having so much fun looking at him. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So no, this is fun. great. Well, uh, yeah. The whole the whole journey together. It's 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 a unique social sparring match. The entirety of the time that they're traveling side by side, mm -hmm. they're both trying to learn about each other. They're also both trying to get one over each other, and they're both defensive and waiting for the other to make an aggressive move. And they're both just kind of riding that tension the entire time. Sometimes extending a lot, olive branch, sometimes challenging. 
It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think I've had any aspect in a campaign I've ever run where there's been an antagonistic force that has for a prolonged period of time been traveling with and interacting with the protagonists and the players of the story. Um, you know, you're used to the the villains that are off doing their own thing and they pop in to laugh and, you know, drop a bomb or leave a trap and then disappear again. It's it's yeah. unique to have an antagonistic force. Uh, that's that part, of the, part of the narrative with. that you're going camping with. It's really <laughs> fascinating, and yes. it was I wasn't expecting it. I, the way things like ah, I don't know. That's why yeah. I love. That's why I love role playing games. Like the the math of your all your different travels and paces and journeys and all the decisions you guys made to get here ended up creating this weird unexpected scenario, and it's very fascinating and honestly a very unique challenge from my standpoint because it's like mm-hmm. having to ride that balance of of personal interests from the NPC standpoints, what you guys are doing and just trying to be ready for anything. Cause I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You were mentioning that kind of to be the flip side version of Matt's question earlier of you talking about Lucian being curious as to, and he keeps asking us like, why are you guys here? What's your deal? And in a way, I don't really feel like we've been too opaque with him about that because to your point Matt we're all kind of there for different reasons and when you break all of those things down and we're kind of all there for our own individual motives in a way it's hard to lock down a larger group motive because just like in many things in D&D by all sane accounts you should be like, nah, this is this is crazy. I'm out. I'm going to go home. What are you doing right. here? You're right. Yeah. What am I doing here? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's tricksy to kind of um, navigate yeah, I think that. It, I, think, I think there's a part of him that's kind of also wanting to rely on that almost. You know, yeah. how how cur- how much of your curiosity, do you, do you, how much of your curiosity do you want to be sated before you realize that you may be in over your head? Mm. and should turn around and go back home where it's safe and just let me do my thing. Sure. It's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah, I mean... This guy. Yeah. One of my favorite writers says, I know I'm about to hit rock bottom when my circumstances are deteriorating faster than I'm able to lower my standards. So that's how I sort of base... (laughs) (laughs) I base my decisions. I do feel like we should let Hot Topic know that maybe a shirt with, like, Ashley Birch's face that just says, Redemption... would be a good idea we just owe her so many thousands of good tweets because this Lucian thing has just been so wonderful and we never would have had this arc we don't owe her anything you owe her thousands of apology tweets all I've done is echo what the folks at home have felt on on, on, on every sort of end of the spectrum of of uh you know, I mean, for, for we don't have time for this. Matt, Brian Foster. watching the like Zoom <laughs> windows highlight back and forth, and you guys are between me in this call on my end. So it's like that is the Danny Bryan relationship. It's just like <laughs> make it pink, make it blue. I know, I know, I know. Oh my god, I know. Usually, it's very loud at the office when we're in there at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> there's always something happening. Loud Did you joy. eat my frosty? 
Sorry, okay, Danny, you went to go, I don't know, get seriously, mail or something. Fuck with my Frosties. Don't I fuck would. with Danny's Frosties. <laughs> Word of warning. Matt. <laughs> yes. Um, the Mighty Nine and the Tomb Takers have quite a strange dynamic right now with this hostage situation that isn't a hostage situation at the same time. What's it like navigating that as a DM? It's challenging. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of variables that are just constantly floating around you. You know, at any given point in time, a wrong interaction, a wrong physical point moment of aggression, a wrong statement could escalate things very quickly one way or the other, whether it be triggered by the players or an NPC and how it's interpreted. And it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a, having to pay attention to a lot of things at all points in time <laughs> to be ready for how those chain reactions can happen and where it might go. Mm. Um, so it, it takes a lot of concentration and it does feel a little bit like you ever have those conversations, like at a, like at a social event, you know, back when we had those? Um, mm. And there'd be a moment where all of a sudden you have like two or three people talking to you in three different conversations, whether they just like one person realizes you're there and starts talking at you without realizing you're already engaged in another conversation. Yeah. And for a split second, you're trying to see if you can listen to both or all of them, and you realize you, you can't. It's like it's taking all of your mental strength before you just have to, <laughs> have to like tap out. It's kind of like that for four hours. Uh... But I love it. I don't know. It's 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 a fun it's a fun exercise in uh, the limits of of my brain's ability. I, guess. I bet. I bet. Jesus, you must be so tired after these recent sessions, especially. I feel like with all that's going on, I I am. But it's a good kind of tired. I mean, yeah. anybody out there who's run a game before knows that some of the best sessions are the ones that leave you the most exhausted, yes. and it's when you've really been you know stretched to your limit. And this this arc, in some ways, is hitting aspects of running the game and the concentration required in the story uh, in, in ways I've never had to do before. So it's been it's been fun. Well, yeah, and it's so much better than when, like, <clears throat> you know, you DM a game and the players spend the whole session just trying to get through a door or something so stupid like that, and, and then you're <laughs> wired all night because you're like, oh, I'm playing with a bunch of people that are terrible. Marisha! Fuck doors. <laughs> Uh, a personal question from Danny and I. What was it like for Bo to receive and to read that letter from Yasha? <laughs> mm. Oh, man, you guys. <laughs> oh, it was so sweet. Um, I, I don't think Bo was expecting uh, uh, Yasha to be so forthcoming with with everything yeah. and so complimentary and eloquent um yeah Bo is uh awkward with healthy relationships so mm -hmm. she, she doesn't know how to handle them so she's still processing that and wants to not uh ruin it yeah so, yeah but no it was it was magical i imagine something like that hitting you while all of this other stuff going on has to be a bit of a whirlwind uh you know for your character it seems like i would i would either be like i either need to put this off and handle this once shit calms down or the other part of me would be like fuck it we could die tomorrow you know what i mean like i'd be caught yeah. in between some of that thinking yeah yeah for sure danny please in fairness this is kind of on track with Marisha's love interests in Critical Role because 
Spoilers for campaign one. Spoilers. Vax definitely told Keyleth that he loved her while they were fighting vampires. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know. That's true. You and roll Keyleth, with the punches. Yeah. Keyleth did respond a little bit more pragmatically and was like, I don't have time for this right now. This is terrible time to do yeah. any of this. Why are you doing this to me right now? Um, but I think Bo, you know, d- d- kind of approaching a lot of things in the complete opposite way that Keyleth would. And also maybe because, you know, like D&D always reflects a little bit of yourself and the surroundings and your personal feelings and what's going on. So I don't know if I would have necessarily even had the same reaction pre-quarantine where in a weird way our characters are in their own kind of quarantine. So she's like, well, if anything has taught me, if I've learned anything in COVID, it's you can have a date at home or in your wizard's tower in the middle of the tundra. You can make a date anywhere, I guess, at this point. Can't teleport, so tower it up. So tower it up. Why, why not? Why waste time, I guess? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. and then also, and Ashley is just so sweet and charming, and and she she ended up she mentioned uh, after the game because I was like, oh my god, Ashley, and she was like, well, it's just trying to think of this, my Ashley impression. That's you know, it's just good. trying to think of what to say, and you know, and I was like, well, just um, what are what are things you feel about Marisha? And I was like, oh. <laughs> Oh man, Even that's totally what she was saying. Oh, I'm getting all emotional again just thinking about it. Oh, and I was like, man. I love you so much. <laughs> yeah, she's she's great. It's amazing. These last couple episodes uh, <laughs> since this has been going on, now when she leaves to go film the show, I say, have fun storming the castle. She knows what I mean. <laughs> she knows what I mean. <laughs> uh, do you know what else I mean by that? It's time to celebrate the first winner of 2021's cosplay. This is a special effect that we have now on the show. Thanks to Lil Max. Cosplay mm. of the week. Some, some glitter. Some little bit of glitter. <laughs> Our winner for this episode was sent in by Kaya Reynolds. At Stormfeather underscore cosplay on Instagram. Photography by Travi underscore B on Instagram. Let's take a look. (gasps) Oh, that's so good. What? I haven't seen this. Oh my God. And there are beads. And the the beads in the hair. The makeup's incredible. Uh, I love the details in the armor. Oh. I love the really delicate Simon. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I love the, the way I love the way she point. did the wings. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, so good. Well done. How do you balance a knife like that? I mean, I got this letter opener. Don't hurt y'all. God. Keep trying. Right. What? Uh, well. It takes a certain kind of hero to do that. It's Look true. at that. Takes Those wings, the hair. I, I love all the lacy stuff, you know? I don't know what that's mm-hmm. called. Is it called lacy stuff still? 
I, I would say like the strappy bits. I don't know. Yeah. The strappy bits, the lacy stuff. That's why you win one of these. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we look for. Brian. It's on the spreadsheet. Brian and I just go through the cosplay, just we, going, all right, where are the strappy bits? And where are the, where and the, the, where the strappies stuff. and the lacy bits? About a year, year and a half from now, we'll unveil strappy bits of the week. It'll be its own separate award. <laughs> yes. It'll be a calendar. Strappy bits and lacy things. <laughs> Coming soon. Perfect. Well, congrats to you, Kaya. You have won. Let me just finish this out. This $100 gift card <laughs> to the Critical Role US shop. How crazy is that? It's $100. You can get whatever you want unless it's sold out. In that case, you know, check back later. Yeah, and you suffer along with all of us. Suffer along with the rest of us uh, who don't have our <laughs> Vax hoodie still, Laura no. Bailey. Who don't have our Vax hoodie still, Laura Bailey. You can enter our bi-weekly contests by visiting critroll.com. Sometimes you got to tease them. Slash. Hmm. Submit. You see the dumbbells on the side of that thing? I've been working out I on the did. break. You see how see how big those hold on. Lift with your legs. Lift with your legs. I am! I am. Oh. Whoa. Good job. Okay. <laughs> Rules for our contest can be found at critroll.com. Moving on. Matt. Yes, Brian. Um, something that's been so fun in my home campaign but has been a rare occurrence in Critical Role so far is Wild Magic. Um, mm. How's it been playing with that table recently? And what is it about Isilcross that attracts that type of chaos? Uh, it's been fun. I, I, I took some of the, a lot of the Wild Magic aspects and made some custom tables, added some things, changed it a little bit, kind of wanted to give it some variation to uh, to consequences. Because while Wild Magic, in 5th edition at least, they definitely took some of the teeth out of it from older editions. Oh, really? Um, a little bit, yeah. They some, had a lot of teeth-based some... stuff in the other one? <laughs> sure. Uh, teeth. They, um... Yeah, but, but, but to be fair, older editions, it was also kind of a little too dangerous sometimes. Nothing like a level, you know, four characters summoning uh, Baylor accidentally. <laughs> Wiping the party because of a dice roll, but um, but yeah, so it's it's been fun to play with that a bit, to add a little bit of randomness to it. Um, that'll that'll kind of increase, I'm sure, as more combat and magic gets thrown around to and from. But uh, in Isilcross, a, a lot of it is just based in the the odd magic that was left behind in the destruction of Aeor, and kind of just the the essence of, of the continent and the. That, whoa, World War II plane going overhead or something. Yeah, it sounds um, like, uh, yeah. There you go. You have it, like, going traveling over each person's... Yeah, from Danny's <laughs> to ours. It'll be a mile so about through the valley. 20 yeah. minutes. Yeah, there you go. Um, sorry. But yeah, no, it's, it's uh, yeah. been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. It's fun for myself and it's fun for the players too. Like, I, I knew it would be once I kind of gave them the, the specifications of when these things would happen for better or worse. The players are just like waiting for someone to roll a twenty or a one at all right. times. <laughs> right. Even even Liam's like, so that was. Does that count? I'm like, it wasn't magic, Liam. He's like, damn it, I want weird yeah. shit to happen. I'm like, I know, me too, buddy, me too. Uh, Mary Elizabeth's character in our last home game uh, had wild magic, and there's two or three games in a row where she got the beard of feathers. <laughs> 
she kept rolling the same thing that hit on the beard of feathers and it was if you can imagine mary role playing with a beard of feathers it was <laughs> the <laughs> greatest amazing. it was the greatest thing in the world man yeah wild magic can be so fun unless you're playing it and you get into some bad some bad <laughs> which, some bad. Uh, which can happen too can i'm looking forward to, to that there's yep. been there's been they, they've rolled like the butterfly thing a few the times the butterfly no, thing I'm kind of twice or three times yeah, yeah. It's kind of so sweet, though. It's I know, pretty Dan, cute. Danny's so cute. E emoting down there. <laughs> Danny, you left your tree up for a long time, it looks like. Yeah, this is just called January 2021. I get it. <laughs> Trust me. I get it. We're all feeling that. Mm -hmm. uh, Marisha, to go back to our favorite topic of the night, Bo asked Yasha out on a date. Yay! Let's <sighs> talk about Yasha smoke. Let's talk about Yasha smoke. Why is it so important to her that they have a proper date first? Is it wrapped up in her desire for a fresh start or with with her or, you know, what's it what's it really wrapped up in for you? Yeah, I think definitely a fresh start. I think her and Yasha have kind of had such this weird it's kind of a weird dynamic to be totally honest. Um and I I think it's kind of led to this place of not really knowing where we stand with each other and what to do next. Um, and it's because we're both awkward people. And I don't mean Bo and Yasha. I mean Marisha and Ashley. <laughs> yes, 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 true. So, true. Um, yeah, and then kind of like what I was touching on earlier, I think so much of Bo's past relationships have been rooted in some toxic behavior mm. um so i think there's even things like i think back there but like bo's deeply inappropriate and with yasha in many ways i mean and that's also bo but um when you think about that then and someone who you might actually be trying to have like a legitimate romantical relationship uh <laughs> yeah you're like oh i'm sorry it totally starts to kind of feel like that couple that's like oh i hated him when we first met he was like <laughs> a frat boy douchebag who like smacked my ass at the movie theater and I sorry was like, laura oh. travis we didn't mean to bring you into this yeah, no. yeah that's right <laughs> we'll bleep it out we'll, we'll adr somebody else's name <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think that's what Bo is trying to avoid. So uh, yeah, Bo just kind of feels like, well, maybe we should just start from the beginning in the most us way possible, fighting through the tundra mm. with our dead-ish friend. Yeah, yeah. Fighting through the tundra with my deadish friend. Gonna <laughs> Fighting in the tundra with my deadish friend. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. New theme song for the new season of Game Ranch. <laughs> um, Matthew. Yes. How are you, man? I'm good. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. Good. Uh, hey, what was your inspiration for Aeor and these excavation sites? Because you mentioned that the design is more sci-fi than anything else in Exandria. And we've seen that in the tech and the experiments. Was it a desire to bring that flavor to your world? 
And so while still allowing everything to stay rooted in fantasy? That's part of it. Um, it's interesting because like A or it, it, the theme came last, if that makes any sense. The the, mm-hmm. the, the, I, the kind of sci-fi-ish, if you can call it that. It's the closest analogy I had to describe it in the moment. But like uh, that theme came probably towards the very end of developing A or for me in my head. It was more about, and a lot of my world building comes from rationalization. It's, you know, this thing exists, but in order for this to exist, rationally, this would have to happen. And then for these people to exist in this society, it would rationally be like this. And so it's it's kind of like just trying to to answer all the questions that pop up in my head about the thing that I decided upon, and then that kind of spiders out and spiders out. And so developing, you have multiple majocracies in a time period, and what mar- marks them all unique culturally in my head, you know, um, that that to me intrigues me on how all these different societies these cities in some cases kind of the mortals who have forgotten the gods or want to usurp and rise above them what what level of 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 humanity does that remind me of what what part of human society is is god dead and you know that that reminds me a lot of 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 us in some ways um and some about ravers yeah (laughs) (laughs) well and, and think and and think about it too like um to a certain extent, when you are so powerful uh, with Arcana, when 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 it becomes so focused on the the science of the, of the science of the magic, uh, aesthetics begins to pull away to instead facilitate. Um, I was sort of looking for. Uh, ah, my brain's freaking out. Uh, the 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 aesthetics pull away to instead facilitate the utility. The, the the utility or the, the 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 most direct route to the answers you want. Oh yeah. yeah. So streamlining. So you you streamline as opposed to focusing on the aesthetic. And so yeah. when it comes to to their their own research, when it comes to the things they're trying to achieve in a short period of time with the magical technology at their disposal, uh, things to be to kind of become a little more sleek and a little more smooth and a little less intricate and architecturally, you know, culturally beautiful and more just direct to the point. And that tends to lend itself to a little more of a sci-fi aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, so that 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 was kind of where the inspiration came from when I began to develop the final like details of the Aeor ruins and what came in there. And then the bonus to that is that it brings a wholly unique flavor to the game beyond anything else they've seen, which is another challenge for Dungeon Master that's been running an extended campaign in uh, in the world, or multiple campaigns within the same world for your players, is how do I keep surprising them? How do I keep making it feel unique and fresh and intriguing and mysterious? And so all those things kind of came together, and, and uh, yeah, I was super excited to kind of begin to reveal those themes. Yeah. I'm, I love it, and I love the art that it's made, too, that it's yeah. produced. Oh, God. Uh, Marisha, how yes. does Bo feel about Aeor? And the magical technology and experience uh, experiments she's been seeing. Does it impress her, scare her? Is she indifferent? How's she feeling about it? I think Bo is just so focused on the pragmatic aspects of it all right now. Um, I think Bo is just trying not to undercut that it doesn't matter if any of this happened 2,000, 3,000 years ago, that there are greedy people with motives and the will and want to corrupt across all spams and cultures and times and ways of living. So I, I think she's just trying not to get lost in 
in the magic, both proverbially and literally of it all. And um, just trying to focus on the motives of these people at hand. I think that's where her brain is going. And that makes sense because Bo is more, um, she's not going to be as infatuated with the architectural arcane nature of it all. That's, that's for Caleb. Her thing is trying to discover clues about these people. She's kind of a little bit more about the civilization, I think, in that way. And that's what fascinates her about mm. Aeor is, you know, what is the, the cognosum or, you know, and who were these people and what, what was going on to make them make these decisions to have such, you know, intense ramifications and consequences to them. So that's really where she's focused on. And as of right now, I think that's kind of the biggest, the biggest unknown in a lot of ways is what this group of ancient old ass mages were up to. Yeah. 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 I'm excited to talk about these things if ever they come up in the story. There's <laughs> <laughs> like, is there's so many, so many aspects that I'm just like, keep prying, keep asking, mm-hmm. keep looking, and whatever doesn't get revealed as part of the story, we can have a big old discussion as part of the campaign to wrap up at the end yes. that I cannot wait yeah. for. Like yeah. I, I think uh, Caleb kind of hit it on the head where he said when we started figuring out, you know, who this group of people was, and he was like, oh, they were the Cerberus Assembly of their time. And Bo didn't go, oh, group of super powerful mages. Bo went, well, the Cerberus Cerberus Assembly is corrupt as fuck. So that was where her brain went first. Because that's kind of where... Big big cobalt soul liturgy right there. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So that's why she's kind of had these notions and they've kind of hinted at these things of... I don't think these mages had the best interest of Aeor in the fucking slightest and who knows what they were up to I think they were out for themselves but who knows we're still gonna find out look Matt's doing this so mm-hmm, much I wanna say nummy, nummy, nummy. so much it's, I it's the cognosum yeah. and the stood spin a little bit the strum stood uh, some no- some novum some novum right should have just asked me <laughs> Sorry, Cognosa and Sobnova. No, no. That's what, Please, that's, okay. that's what you're here for. That's what you're here for, Daddy. Don't worry. You're here to yeah. step on Matt. It says it on your business cards. I have it here. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It really doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. <laughs> Matt, distract yes. us from Danny's new job title with an answer to this question. <laughs> you introduce the Arboretum... <laughs> Kidding, Danny. Arboretum? Arboretum? Arboretum. 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 Arboretum is what you get if you eat bad sushi in Miami. (laughs) Trust me. It's the reason why I'm still so thin. Anyways, Uh, you introduced... eating sushi in Miami. Well, I was was a younger man then. Uh, (laughs) Anyways, you introduced it to the nine. Showing Caduceus another forest with similar corruption to his own Savalier Wood. What was that reveal like, and did his response surprise you? In some ways, uh, and I'm, I mean, it's, 
it's a lot to process. Uh, it's dropping some mysterious threads, elements that... I mean, it's, it's interesting that there have been some small little seeds that I planted a long time ago, even, that tie into some aspects of this, that tie into some aspects of Caduceus's story and narrative. Um, and it's, it was just it was just kind of the the first major reveal that there are some aspects in the world possibly related to his story that maybe aren't as complete as he thought, or at least other sides to the coin that he hadn't learned about, you know, to at least mm. kind of, you know, give an example as to this, this corruption in this place does have similarities to the corruption in the Savalier would. Um, what, what does that mean? What, what does that mean for you personally? Does that mean that this is more of a drive for you to stop whatever, uh, remnants of this magic than Aeor that still might exist and you know continues this corruption is it is it mean that this is just a reminder of the things that are important to you at home like I, I had no idea how he would react and <laughs> in some ways it it it's it shook him in some ways more than I expected and also kind of pushed him away more in ways than I expected it was it was interesting like I said you never know how your player is going to react and Every character's emotional process to learning things as they come across them, uh, to me, that, that that's the meat of the game. Mm -hmm. You know, that that's what I live for. Uh, if my players didn't react at all or were like, oh, that's cool, took a note and then kept on walking, then I'm terrible at what I do and that, to me, is not fulfilling. Yeah, you start um, Trask in the next game, teach him a lesson. <laughs> I guess there's that too. Um, but yeah, no, in, in some ways I was like, interesting reaction. And uh, yeah, man, I'm excited to see if uh, people react to future revelations uh, f through future Aorian ruins and interactions in the future, depending on mm. where they go. Man. I love it. I love Don't it. Don't give me that Travis look, Marisha. <laughs> look at her. <laughs> trying to, look at her. <laughs> trying to pry things out of my expression. <laughs> what does oh, it mean? Man. What does, what it, does mean it mean indeed? Double rainbow voice. Oh, this campaign has been filled with red herrings throughout the narrative. I can't wait for the wrap up. Mm. Oh man, we're gonna need to do like Danny. I'm. I was just thinking about it when he said that we're gonna need to do probably like a four part wrap up. Like, uh, if we learned anything from the campaign one wrap up, you know, it's okay. It's okay. It'll be fine. Not even my brain isn't even there yet. We'll just do like a season of wrap up. <laughs> just, you know? just a long, long season, and it's just Matt sitting there and just telling us in everything in a rope. In a rope. In a rope. Uh, do you know what else uh, should be its own season? This week's winner of Fan Art of the Week. <gasps> Fan Art of the Week! This episode's winner was sent in by Kayla Marquez at Orator Kayla. Let's, it's a doozy. Let's take a look. Oh. <laughs> Gonna need a print of this, please. Right here. Just yep. right here. Oh my goodness. Uh, I love it. Yeah. I mean, eyes. It, just that the Gorgeous. look, the expression, the 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 oh. the like, yeah, if you come back in five minutes, I might be sleeping, but I won't be. Yeah. yeah. No, yes. He doesn't even sleep with his eyes closed. Yes, you're so right. This is full. Sleep. Looking sleep. over at, exactly. at Molly not sleeping. Yeah. Or yeah, this she... is that. This is full. Him like staring in through into the, the dome. The, the dome. Uh, yes. I always want to call it so the globe. Creepy. The globe. Yeah. I don't I know it. why. The, the, yeah. I've never called it the globe, and I do all the time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
I love the I love like the whip tail and I love the hair yeah. too. Oh, this, so this is a, this is this is closer to kind of how I, I don't know think I described it in full detail, but like Lucy and I see having the longer hair mm-hmm. because it hasn't cut it since he came back, and mm. kind of a, a visual distinction to him is he would have a little longer hair than than oh, Molly was yeah. remembered as, and just like the the cool kind of unflappable confidence that he holds in this picture, I think is is nailing it perfectly. Yes. I love it. Good. Yes. Like, oh, it's so good. Well I done. I love it when well artists done, do this with a very, like, a monochromatic piece with a single bright color. Yeah, with popping the red. Yeah. I love yeah. it when, yeah. when artists do that. It's so cool. Because you think you're going to focus on it, but you really don't. It sort of sets the backdrop for makes me focus yeah. on him more yeah. because he's so different than, than what's and the And you, you just can't stop looking at his eyes. Yes. Like, True. I try to look yes. at other things, and I pull True. back up. Into his yeah. eyes, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well done. All Kayla, 11 Mark, of that. Yes. <laughs> exactly. 27 eyes. <laughs> well done, Kayla. You have won this. Hang on one sec. I just want to make sure... Everything is uh, clean. Oh my god! I want to make sure before I touch it. You know, I want to make sure my hands are clean. Of course, you have won this hundred dollar gift card (laughs) to the Critical Role U.S. shop. I mean, it's gonna be this exact one too. So I hope you're a big fan of mine specifically because that's got a little extra. Aqua de Gio on it, as that was called. <laughs> you can enter our bi-weekly contest by visiting critroll.com slash submit. And you can also find the rules for our contest there. Moving on. Matt. Congrats. Yes. Dagon Underthorn. Did I say that right? You did. Hopefully the rest of the cast is watching. <laughs> Dagon Underthorn is such a fantastic <laughs> character. I love uh, what was the inspiration behind him? Is he following the Nine just for his pay, or is it possible that he is, in fact, secretly in love with them? <laughs> well, he's, he's de- definitely a man of his word when it comes to, you know, fulfilling a contract and getting the other half of his pay. Um, but, you know, it's not hard to see that they've grown on him a little bit. Um, no, he... Uh, he <laughs> I, I had the thought for him for a, a while back. I just, I was trying to think... If they make their way to Isilcross, um, they're going to need a guide because it is it is a it is a very different landscape, and there would be people there that make a living as they do in, in in the real world in any place where if you for people that travel and want to journey across dangerous, unfamiliar territory, there is good money to be made in being a guide. And so, just trying to think of the kind of person that could really make their way through there, I was like, I want there to be this like grizzled, awesome dwarf um, who. Who in, in you know who's, is not defined by his disability. In fact, in, in spite of it, shows to still be one of the best guides you can get out there. And his adaptation makes him just this absolute badass. Um, and so I, I kind of developed him a while back and was hoping that when we got to Isilcross, things would work out where that could you know function as as the guide they come across. And when they it depended based on the the decision they made. Like I told them a little bit too, because right before right around the time that the the peace treaty was signed, there were a few different threads they could follow at that point. There was Vest saying that she had worked for them. There was Essex saying that he had worked for them. And there there was different avenues they could have possibly found their way to Isilcross via these individuals. And uh, Dagon was kind of the empire route. 
And so since that's the rep they took, they managed to interact. Uh, they got to travel with him, and he's awesome, and I love him. And uh, now that they're traveling with Lucy, and I was like, oh, man, that's going to make it weird. But he's also he's also really, really good at getting around on the tundra unseen and unnoticed. That's kind of yeah. a speciality. So. Yeah, that's going to come in handy. Yeah. Marisha, yeah. Uh, in true Sam fashion... Oh my god, duh. You know what I'm about to talk about. Yes. In true Sam fashion, uh, Veth seems to be unknowingly sabotaging Yasha and Bo's date. I know, I was... Ash Ash came in when I was watching this part of it, and she's like, can you believe this? And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I can. Uh, He's such a troll. He's such a fucking troll. He's such such a a troll. troll. What are Bo's thoughts on Veth's insistence on making sure Yasha feels wel- welcome? And what are Marisha's thoughts on Sam's epic trolling? Here's the thing. Here's the tea. Okay. If I ever hear one more fucking person trying to claim that I am ruining things by metagaming. Oh, God, yeah. I'm going to point to Sam. Uh-huh. Because this is, it's barely Beth to it. Sam. And then I, as Bo, am, res- am expected to respond accordingly <laughs> to Veth being a Sam troll. Uh-huh. 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 <laughs> God damn him. Raven Queen curse upon him. Uh, chaos reign indeed. Ew, Let God. chaos reign. <laughs> Very pull out my earphones. I can't hear anything you're saying. (laughs) Anyway. It is very fun to watch, though. So, yeah, it's like that speaking with Beth as a little bit of Bo and a lot of bit Marisha. (laughs) Yep. 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 You have to expect it, though, after playing D&D with him for this long. You've got to expect something. I do, and I, I expect it, and I respect it. And I mean, I don't it's frustrating far. because I'd be mad at it if it wasn't so goddamn funny. It's so perfect. And even though sometimes you think like, now's not the time, dude. It's like he makes sure it is the time. That's why he's yeah. so smart and I hate it. That's the thing. That's the thing. It, it, it would be infuriating or it would be at any other table or at least a table with people that didn't know each other well enough. It's it would be it would be borderline, not great behavior. Yeah, be borderline disrespectful. Yes. Yeah. But because it's Sam, we we know what he's doing. We know he's not doing it maliciously. He's doing it just to tease and be fun. Yep. And if at any point it what did make Marisha and Ashley really unhappy, then then they'd have a conversation about it, and then oh would, yeah, absolutely, end it immediately. Yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, she but, told me she hates it. <laughs> well, then we really could have a conversation. <laughs> Shit. Uh, yeah, Sam. And she said that tonight was how she wanted me to tell you, because she knows you watch every week. Uh, Matt, someone th- I can't believe you haven't been on the show to talk about this since it happened, but it's just one of those things with time still being soup, to quote our former creative director, Marisha. Um, what was it like to have Avantika return to face Ford and the Mighty Nine? Because you said they had a one in ten chance of encountering her on their voyage. Did you always know she'd return in some way? No, I, I I didn't know she always would. It was just, 
an, an interesting, fun option out there. The thing is, the Mighty Nine still have in their grasp the singular most important artifact in Ukutoa's opinion at the moment is the one thing that's preventing uh, you know, the entity from being free from its current imprisonment. And as long as they carry that artifact, the, his Eye of Sauron is trying to find them. And once they hit that sea, whenever they find a port, whenever they find any sort of realm in which his followers have any sort of capability, they're going to hunt for him. Because... Mm. That's yep. that. That's exactly what it would be, but it's not an automatic thing either. It depends on on luck and circumstances working together. And the best way that I could figure out to do that was to put it on a table. I need to be traveling for a few days. I'm really enjoying these these travel aspects now that I've I can build out these tables and you know kind of be like I don't know what's going to happen today, but I have a few things prepared and let's see where it goes. And even as the travel through Isocross, there's a few numbers in that those encounter tables that I'm like, oh, I really really hope we get to some of those before. Yeah, that we haven't hit yet. That. Oh, there's a bunch you haven't hit yet on that. I, I mean, this, how this big is, different... is the table? Is it like a D100 situation? No, it's a D20. But then, uh. but then, you know, uh, some of them are just comfortable travel. Some of them are, in, you know, things that get in the way of travel and slow down travel. And some of them are encounters. And I have an encounter table that I roll on after that. But then when you get to a certain encounter, that's like a specific thing, like the the obelisk that did the death wave or like the, the statue circle, then I take it off the table and replace it with something else in case you guys roll it again. Oh, that's smart. So I'm just hoping that so it... so smart, baby. Uh, uh, <laughs> you're just now telling him this? But there's, there's a few numbers. Only once a year, Brian. Only once I a can't... year. I <laughs> can't... Just hey, start off the year with the compliment to you. Exactly. <laughs> I got my one. I got I got you it got out. got it. I just can't um, wait till the episode where it all works out to where we can do that famous song. They're taking the obelisk to Isocross. They're taking the obelisk to <laughs> oh Isocross. Oh, my God. What the hell? The 2010 just coming here like the Kool-Aid man? Yeah, it's more yeah. like 2005 came in here like the double rainbow man. Marisha. Uh. <laughs> Rest in peace. Yeah. I think you passed Caduceus uh, suggested contacting Essek and telling him everything about the crest, but Bo, as well as Caleb, nixed that idea. Yeah. Does she think she can trust him with any of this knowledge? Gods, no. Okay. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. She can like Essek personally, you know, as a person, he's fine, I guess. Um,. But I think a lot of people might be, you know, maybe some on my team might be forgetting that he is kind of a war criminal and yeah. kind of set off a lot of bad things in motion with this war with the Empire and the Dynasty because, yeah. you know, um, he wanted power and to know things. So now here he is. Also in Aeor. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of putting two and two together there. So it is another one of those things of, oh gosh, it's just like the same thing with Lucian where it's, you're kind of walking that line on trying to keep them on your good side and having a mutual using kind of mutually beneficial relationship before it could easily go completely south. Yeah. So I don't, she's not against getting in contact with him, but I, yeah, I don't think 
Because you can kind of fight fire with fire. I think that's where mm-hmm. more her brain is going. And being in contact with him is different than telling him more than maybe he, he could be trusted with. Right, right. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's the thin line and the barrier. And mm-hmm. it's, I mean, like Matt said, it's um, it's a dance. Well, you guys have had a lot of practice with me. Mm, yes. Thin yeah. rice paper barriers. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> I would uh, like to point out, by the way, we were talking about uh, Avantika coming back. Uh, a amazing critter found. I guess I had a little Nostradamarisha moment. Moment? Ooh. Where I... No, it didn't not work. It was kind of on the top of my head. I'll, I'll workshop it. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll come back to it. <laughs> Nos- wait, wait, wait. Nostradamrish. Better... Anyway, why isn't anyway. it just Nostradamarisha? Is that better? Nostradamarisha. Anyway, I guess back after we kind of closed the lid on the Avantika stuff a while ago, and she kind of came back, and I think Ford got stabbed. I said, "Spoilers." I kind of offhandedly, apparently, I said, "This is going to come back to haunt us eighty episodes down the road, isn't it?" Or I said something along those lines, and it was almost to the T. No The amount way. of wow. episodes. No. Yeah, later, wow. I don't remember. Someone, someone tweeted it. Whoever you are, you're awesome for figuring that's that out. That's so funny. But, yeah. Oh my god! Oh my god! That's so you funny. Dick. That is so funny. Just for the podcast listeners, yeah. You know? Just for the podcast. Just one for the podcast folks. Okay, we're almost out of time, but a couple last ones before. Matt, we didn't get a chance to talk to Travis about this the last time he was on because Mm -hmm. it was sort of one of those gray areas of something if we couldn't talk about it yet, but it was before you had tweeted about it. But the Star Razor was a vestige this entire time. Ah, yes. What prompted you to make that weapon a vestige and where exactly in its journey is it in between Awakening versus Exalted? You know, what's right. your, what can you tell us about it? Um, so when I seeded the pieces... The plane's at my could, house now. There we go. I got that. I knew it would happen. <laughs> I told you I'd be here in 40 minutes. Mr. <laughs> um, Brian. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> when, when we... When I had seeded the pieces of it that could possibly be forged on the line, and then I was like, if they end up going through with this, it would most likely end up being a vestige, uh, you know, one, one of the ones that I might incorporate in the campaign. I don't want this to be, and just for those who are considering, I've seen conversation about it, the vestiges aren't always a thing where it's like, you know, everyone gets a vestige, you get a vestige, you get a vestige. I didn't know who was going to use the item, and I, you know, other than the, the first campaign in which it was an actual part a major part of the narrative of them acquiring their vestiges it was a central part of the story i i want them to be still considered special and rare um so this is one that kind of had to be earned had to be reforged there was a whole quest involved to get the materials for it and even then not even understanding what it was i wanted to be kind of the discovery of a vestige how i would want other people to kind of use them in some aspects of their narrative beyond how i did it in the first campaign and so as, as it got together and then ford managed to be the one that picked it up i was like all right cool and i don't know what circumstances would involve it coming about but uh i decided at the time based on just the character levels and kind of his own personal growth and the process the growth that he went through at the same time he was forging it like he just he didn't just forge a vestige and went cool i forged it he forged it at the same time that he broke his pact 
with mm. his patron uh, and was going through this heavy evolution into a paladin. So in essence, not only did he finish the creation of the sword, but he awakened it at the same time that he made this transition. So he, when he got the sword at that point, part of that process was him awakening it, though he didn't understand at the time what that was because it was all happening at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it wasn't until the, the, the showdown with Avantika and kind of him closing that thread with the blade that it was like, this would be the moment for it to exalt. So it is exalted at this point. It's in its final form. Yo, that's sick. Oh man, that's going to be a part of some important cosplay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Marisha, before we get out of here, do you or Bo have any expectations or thoughts on what might be waiting for you in Aeor? And how long do you think this tentative alliance with the Tomb Takers is going to last? You know what I mean? (sighs) I have no idea. I am trying to abandon expectation when it comes Mm. to that. I know Mm. what we don't know. And that's that's it. Yeah. The known unknown. The known unknown, as I as I love to talk about. Um yes, absolutely. Bo is trying to compensate for the known unknowns and the unknown unknowns. Uh I, I yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. I hope we can kind of keep this tenuous relationship through till Aeor because we just kind of need more answers before it explodes in our face, which it inevitably will. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I, I'm Bo and Marisha is hoping for a little bit more information before uh, shit hits the fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Matt, yeah. looking at you. I know, right? Lucian is... Don't know what you're talking about. Go ahead, Danny. Lucian is pondering Caleb's uh, offer, so that's a good sign. So you have, like, you know, a day of travel to maybe try to, like, convince him or something. I don't know why I did, like, a like a sexy wiggle, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> that's how I convince people. That's how I convince This is how I convince people to do things. See, if Caleb could sexy wiggle his way to Lucy, and maybe he'll show them the book. Caleb, <laughs> I'm just saying. Just incorporate a sexy wiggle. <laughs> yeah. I was just if, if oh, uh, you could look hello, at your book. Uh, Lucian? Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, can I have your book? Oh my god, what a great accent. <laughs> well, that's all the time we have for tonight, folks. <laughs> I'd like to thank Matt and Marisha for joining us this week. Danny, as always, for starting us on this sexy wiggle ending. Sexy wiggle Hey, we hope your year has started off okay. We hope you're okay. We hope you're staying safe. We hope you're staying, staying very healthy and sane. We love you so much. Thank you for watching this terrible show. But uh, yeah. we're here for you whenever we can be. Uh... Hey, stay turnt, my friends. Don't forget to love each other and don't worry. It's almost Thursday. I know, I was was setting you up for something crazy and then I wanted to just uh, gently let you go. Uh, Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Marisha. Thank you, Danny. Love you guys. Thank you, Critters. We love you. 
happy 2021. Happy Let's 20. make Woo! it a good one. Let's make, Let's it, make a good it a good one. one. We made it. We made it. Looks like we made it. DMC it. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Talks Machina on the Critical Role Podcast Network. If you like this episode, please consider supporting us by rating and reviewing this podcast on whatever podcasting app you're using. Tox Machina airs every other Tuesday at twitch.tv slash critical role. Until next time.